This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. This is the number one show at 5 o'clock. And uh, we're broadcasting out of WABC Studios in Midtown. 770 on your dial. WABCradio.com worldwide. And in the studio with us, we have... uh, uh, Judge uh, Richard Weinberg, and he's a common-sense Democrat, and we have a common-sense Republican, Craig Eaton, uh, 10 years GOP chair of Brooklyn, and uh, still stays in touch with Brooklyn pretty well. And uh, I have a sidekick uh, next to me. She's back. She's back. She was out yesterday. Yes. Uh, we have Lydia Serrani. COVID-free. We have a great show today, don't we? Absolutely. We have an amazing show. We are going to be speaking with Dr. Peter Mikolos and why you should may, maybe hold off on taking that aspirin. We'll also be talking to Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman about an incredible crime that happens on Long Island. Again, indicative of just how crazy these bail reform laws are. Then we're going to talk to Andrew McCarthy of the National review. We're going to talk about Biden and more and Elon Musk. But first on the line, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz, just a couple of decades at Harvard Law and just a Brooklyn boy at heart. At heart, And he's always here at WABC every Tuesday. Welcome to Cats at Night once again, Professor Dershowitz. Hey, I always look forward to being on on Tuesday nights and I always uh, look forward to talking to people who remind me of where I come from. Brooklyn, well, we're going yeah. to we're going to make that special that special show uh, about Brooklyn, great. and you got to pick all the people that you want on your show. Oh, I, it's very easy. I was just the other day. I walked into in Prospect Park, and I was in the Botanic Gardens, and I I went on the Celebrity Walk of Fame. And it has all the famous people from Brooklyn, and I was honored to be among them. Wow! So if people don't if people don't like me, they can step on me in in the <laughs> botanic gardens. But there are wait, enough wait, wait, wait. there. That- it gets worse. It, 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 under the law now, they're allowed to urinate on you. <laughs> oh my God! I don't sure. I'm not so sure about that. But, and defecate uh, on, on you too. Can. You know what, Professor, you know what's funny is anywhere you go, you run into people and you say you're from Brooklyn and they have a a cousin there or they grew up there or their grandmother was from there. What what was the statistics? One out of eight people or something? Come from from Brooklyn, yeah. You know, my, my, my most treasured possession is I own the Brooklyn Dodgers 1955 World Series ring that was the only year the, the Dodgers won the World Series. And, uh, uh, my World Series ring uh, was was actually owned by Don Zimmer, who ultimately became a coach, of course, for the Boston uh, Red Sox. And then he must uh, have needed the, the money. And, yeah, well, the family sold it, I think. Yeah, that's horrible when they do those things. All right, let's get yeah. let's get down to action. Well, what's the first yeah. question we're asking uh, uh, the professor? How do you well, feel about Twitter? About- Are we going to have? Well, I love- are we going to have freedom of speech, or or is the woke culture going to blow up the deal? 
No, we're going to have freedom of speech a lot more than we have now on Twitter. And, you know, to me, the way the the woke people reacted shows they're afraid of freedom of speech. They don't want freedom of speech. They want freedom of speech for me, but not for thee. The head of the NAACP said, oh, freedom of speech is great, but not if it's disinformation or misinformation or hate speech. Who's going to decide what constitutes disinformation and misinformation? Chief Justice Rehnquist once says, the Constitution doesn't recognize a false idea. The First Amendment doesn't recognize a false idea. So I have a proposal for Musk. I hope he'll listen. He should announce that Twitter is going to follow the First Amendment. They don't have to because they're a private company. But he's going to announce that as a matter of policy, the First Amendment is going to apply to Twitter. If it could be banned under the First Amendment, like child pornography or incitement to immediate violence, it will be banned. But unless it satisfies the criteria for the First Amendment, it will be allowed to be posted on Twitter, which means there's going to be a lot of bad stuff on on Twitter, a lot of uh, hate. Uh, messages, a lot of falsehoods, but that's what the First Amendment's all about. Agree. Let let the bullets fall as they may, and I understand he's getting they're getting bullets from the woke culture, or and they're also getting bullets from uh, President Trump. Oh, of course, and from President Biden. Biden issued a statement today through his press secretary, worrying. He didn't say it shouldn't happen, but worrying about what's going to happen. You know, when the framers of our First Amendment wrote the First Amendment, they realized they were involving the country in an experiment, in a dangerous experiment. Free speech is dangerous. It can hurt people. It can cause harm. But as Churchill once said about democracy— It's the worst possible thing, except for all the others that have been tried over time. What do you want instead of free speech? Censorship? Who's going to make that decision? The head of the NAACP, the woke culture people? No. Alan, it's it's Richard Weinberg. Years ago, when you and I were younger, you could rely on the American Civil Liberties Union to protect freedom of speech. But they're not part of the woke culture. (laughs) They're now part of the woke culture, and they're doing nothing to protect freedom of speech on campus and the media in any other places. And so, you know, we need people like us uh, on radio to promote freedom of speech because we can't count on the ACLU to do it. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, one uh, civil rights activist, Sean King, he's actually a white man and he pretends to be a black guy. Do you know him? He's known by like people joke and call him Talcum X because he's white and he's trying to pretend he's Malcolm X. So so anyway, he he deleted his Twitter. Then he got back and now he is throwing. It always seems like there's three common denominators against conservatives. They're either racist, they're sexist or what was or they, they love Trump or something. I mean, there's always something with them. So now Sean King is saying that Elon Musk is an openly racist and, and bigot. And he was raised by white nationalists. I mean, does this surprise you that these kind of targeted attacks? And, of course, they're now going after Elon Musk's taxes as well. Of course, that's going to happen. When you take on the woke culture, you're going to be attacked. Look, I took on the woke culture. I've been attacked, and I wear it as a badge of courage. But um, Musk doesn't know what he's got himself into because there's going to be gang up by CNN. There's going to be gang up by The New York Times. No, no, CNN, CNN is out of business. There, there's a new boss in town in CNN. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm suing CNN. They, this is a joke. They offered to settle by giving me CNN Plus. But I turned <laughs> it down. It's now, worthless. Uh, all right. Next subject. Uh, what's our next subject, guys? Okay, title forty two. Oh, the title forty two. 
They, What's they going to happen? How many Democrats are, are yelling at the president to not not to do it, not to to allow all these people in without without checking them to make sure that at least they're not criminals? Well, the real question, and it's the question that is the most important question in America today, is what, when does the legislature get to decide these issues, and when does the president and the executive branch get to decide these issues, and how should the judiciary react if it's not left up to the legislature, if it's given over to the executive? These are questions that are legislative in nature. The legislature should make the law. The president should simply enforce the law. And I think we're going to see lots and lots of litigation around that issue. Well, you have it also with the Remain in Mexico case that's going to the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and you know, we're seeing the same issue now with uh, mask mandates and uh, with vaccine mandates. Who decides? Is it the executive branch? Is it the legislature? You know, I'm in favor of a mask mandate, but only if the legislature decides it, only if there's a debate in Congress. If they hear all the sides of the issue and then they make a legislative determination that it's necessary, I don't want administrative agencies making the law. And there's been much, much too much of that in the last years. And what about and Alan, what about treaties? The Iran deal is coming back and they they subjugated the uh, the treaty responsibility of the Senate last time. They're going to do it again. Well, what can be done about that? They, 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 well, there should be a lawsuit. I know there are people considering a lawsuit. It is a treaty. Let's be clear about that. There's no dispute it's a treaty. It walks like a treaty. It quacks like a treaty. It looks like a treaty. It's a treaty. It involves multiple countries with legal obligations enforceable. That's a treaty. The framers of the Constitution would have no question that it requires a two-thirds vote of the Senate. And yet the Obama administration circumvented the Senate and decided on its own to have that treaty. It was a terrible treaty, a terrible decision. And I'm afraid that the Biden administration is going to make the same mistake. But this time, they're going to be sued. And you're going to get a bunch of senators uh, going to court and saying, you've deprived us, the senators, of our constitutional role. And they have standing to bring that lawsuit, don't they? I would think so. And I'm going to be on their side. And I'm going to help them. uh, Because I believe very strongly that this is a matter that has to be treated like a treaty. And speaking of lawsuits, Professor Dershowitz, just to switch topics, there is a coach out of Washington State. He's a former high school football coach, Joseph Kennedy. He's been fighting this fight since 2015. For seven years, he was kneeling down after a game. Some of his players decided to join. He would say a quick prayer, and all of a sudden the school said, listen, you can't do that anymore. It's either stop praying or lose your job. He decided, you know what, I am not going to give up my freedom of religion, of expression, and if people can kneel for any other reasons, why can't I? I kneel before and and praise the almighty God. So now he's taken the case all the way up to the Supreme Court, which has started deliberations, what, Monday, I believe, yesterday they started it. So how do you think? And he's probably going to win, but I don't think he should win. Let me tell you why. What if instead of it being a Christian coach who did Christian prayer, he got up to the middle of the field and said, now Allah, I want to praise Allah and I want to invoke Sharia law. And I want to pray to the God of the Muslim people. Would the, would, the, would the school tolerate that? If the school wouldn't tolerate Muslim prayer, if the school wouldn't tolerate Hindu prayer, if the school wouldn't tolerate atheist invocation of some kind of philosophy, and if it wouldn't accept Jewish prayer, it cannot accept Christian prayer. 
So to me, the question is not whether you're preferring religion over kneeling for the Star Spangled Banner, but whether you're picking and choosing among religions. Remember, too, that the First Amendment was written in large part to protect Catholics in this country because everybody hated Catholics back in 1793. You should read Jefferson and Adams' letters about Catholics, how they're going to ruin the country and Jesuits are going to spoil the country. And every state was establishing a different form of Protestant religion. And the framers of the First Amendment said, no, government can't pick and choose between religions. And I think that in this case, if it hadn't been a Christian prayer, uh, I don't think the school board would have allowed it. So I'm I'm a dissenter on this one. Well, it is interesting. Why can they kneel for BLM, though? How come they can kneel for BLM and that's their God, their woke God? There's nothing in the Constitution that says you can't establish BLM. Uh, But there is something that says you can't establish religion. The framers thought religion is different than politics. Now, I don't think it'd be well, a good Well, isn't BLM an organization their own, their own form of religion? <laughs> well, of course, they're certainly, <laughs> they they're, certainly don't stand for anything. They're woke God. Yeah. Isn't it just fundraising? Uh, isn't that all they're doing? They're fundraising. They're lighthouses in white neighborhoods. They're raising white funds. <laughs> they're raising about funds it. You can to, to increase of, their own financial position. You can kneel at a position. football game in honor of BLM or whatever, and for some social made-up social cause that probably never affected you, but if you kneel for God, but I understand what Professor Dershowitz is saying, but I wouldn't have a problem if somebody decided to, you know, praise Allah or something like that. If it was quick and let's it was move on, on. Let's move yeah. on. Professor, we love you. Thank you. We're going to do that Brooklyn oh, show soon. And you. we'll Good. catch let's up again real soon. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Bye. Thank you. you know what? There is before we're waiting for Mr. McCarthy, but there is uh, your daughter just tweeted some breaking news. Well, tell me what it is. Governor Hochul is currently lobbying the New York State Demo- Democratic Legislature to change the law to get her ex Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin off the ballot, who is charged with felony corruption. So, what do you guys think how about, about that? Changing, how about changing the law to make New Yorkers safer? Well, she said. Don't you to, think it's more important? Well, she said today that tell, safety. Tell my daughter, is, make, tell change the law to make New York safer. That's maybe, more important. Maybe it, Hochul should have vetted him a little bit more before she put him on. Well, her, her ratings, her ratings are all time low. Yeah. She's got a real okay. problem. The Democrats uh, are in trouble right now. She has the a real problem. Somebody, they're in trouble. By the way, they're in trouble. In, in tomorrow's New York Post, we have a headline. We have a headline. One of our Christini stores had armed robbery, and there's a $10,000 reward. And why is it now a federal crime, John? It's a federal crime because they tied up the manager and, assist- and his assistant, and that made it a federal crime. And these guys are going to go around, go away forever. Wow. And what store? I'm not going to say it. Oh, okay? no, but it, it says it there. It's one, of, it's one of our stores. Okay, so it's one of the stores, and um, you'll see the ad, and you, if you know who these guys are, then you'll get $10,000. I mean, $10, uh, and we're going to, you know, $10,000. And uh, let's go to break, and then we come back with... Andrew McCarthy of the National Review. We'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences 
businesses in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com. 